Nathan was a, a bit of an escape artist and <laughs> had a real live wire. We called him our unguided missile. And ever since he was like four, maybe even three, he would find a way to open a door real quiet mm -hmm. and sneak outside and go on his little wild adventures. And, and that took him right up to the point where he left this world and relocated to heaven. My husband and I had been given tickets by some friends of ours to go to a Portland Trailblazer basketball game. And they had a suite at the arena. We were really looking forward to being their guests. And unfortunately, John came down with the flu. And so we, we decided to ask a young couple that we know if they would like to take Nathan to the game because Nathan loved the Portland Trailblazers. And during halftime, Nathan said he needed to use the restroom. Well, there was one right in the suite mm -hmm. uh, that was right next to the door that went out. And so he was standing in line waiting for the restroom. We thought he was in the bathroom because the door was closed, mm -hmm. but he was not. He had closed the door and he had skipped out of the main door into the uh, suite and entered the foyer. And because it was halftime, there were hundreds of people milling oh, wow. around outside the foyer. All we know is that he must have hopped on the elevator, which he loved, and ran outside. It went right to the main doors and he ran onto the freeway, I-5, and was hit by a car. Oh, wow. Pam, how old was he? He was 16 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, I think he was just on again, one of his fun, wild adventures, going to find something that he wanted to find. He would get an idea, and he yeah. would always know, he would always tell us where he was going. There were many mm -hmm. times when we would find him, you know, and, but that particular night, um, that ended his life here in this world. Hi everyone, I'm Elise Marsh and I'm your host here on the Perfectly Wonderfully Made podcast. I believe the journey to becoming a parent allows each of us a glimpse into the heart of a creator who so desperately wants you to know just how chosen, designed, called, and beautiful you are. He sees you perfectly, wonderfully made. Hi friends, this week is always a busy week in the Marsh household. We have a lot of family birthdays and Mother's Day is fast approaching. That's what happens when you have a baby on Mother's Day. I kind of asked for it, I guess. I'm preparing for a unicorn birthday party for my sweet little girly. She's been counting down the days. Every day she wakes up and tells me how many more days until her birthday. This girl is a about her birthday, as I'm sure most little humans are. We have a lot of allergies in our family, so I'll be making tons and tons of dairy-free, egg-free cupcakes this week, you guys. A lot. That's what I'm about to do after this. I know Mother's Day is one of those holidays that can really be so different for a lot of women. If you've had a difficult or strained relationship with your mom, it can feel so hard. If your mom has passed away, you might feel a longing just to be with her again. If you so desperately want 
to be a mom and that day has not arrived for you yet. You might just feel an ache that feels like someone is rubbing dirt into your paper cut. If you have babies in heaven, your heart might just ache to hold them in your arms and receive their little preschool Mother's Day cards. Or maybe you had a baby on Mother's Day and Mother's Day isn't really ever about you. It never was. And that's okay because the joy that that little human brought you by making you a mama is worth it time and time again. Wherever you are, my friend, the Lord is with you. He sees you. He sees it all. You have a friend who sees it all. For those of you who want to send those people who might just be purchasing you a gift this year, some ideas, it's not too late. I'm going to throw in my Mother's Day wish list for you guys. I know, just throwing it in there. I'll link to everything I'm going to talk about in a few minutes in the show notes, so don't you worry. So when you get home or when you get to where you're going, head on over to elisemarsh.com slash podcast, and you'll see all the loveliness there waiting for you. Okay, so first thing on my Mother's Day wish list gift guide is the Athleta Flex Jogger 2.0 pant. This is an amazing pant. Okay, I don't actually own this, but all my friends do. And I have tried a lot of different jogger pants out there, and some are just too snug, and others make me look really frumpy. So this one is looking so promising. You guys, I'm super excited to try this bad boy out. Okay, next on the list, the Apple Watch with the gold aluminum case with the pink sand sport loop. Pretty amazing. I don't know about you, but I'm the girl who I have a tendency to like put my phone down and not pick it up again for a while. Or on the other hand of that, it's just on my person all the time and I'm on it all the time. And I don't like that either. So I feel like the Apple Watch is going to give me that great happy medium of I'm not on my phone all the time, but people can reach me like, you know, if they're in labor, that's a good thing. Okay, next on my list is the Young Living Desert Mist Diffuser because, hey, it's beautiful and really pretty. And I, you know, we have diffusers in our kids' rooms. I'm an oily person. Um, If you're not an oily person, you guys, you have so much to learn. And so do I, by the way. But this diffuser is beautiful and I would love to have another one in our kitchen um, because I'm moving diffusers from room to room. Okay, next up the Emily Lay Planner. So Emily Lay products are incredible. I've used her planners and I really, really love it. I'm the person who's into calendaring. If you go back to my January New Year's episode, you'll hear all about calendaring and planning and how I love it. So go pick up. Her new planners are out this week and they sell out. So don't delay, my friends. If you want a beautiful planner that's actually going to help you not forget things, go pick up the Emily Lay Planner. Love that. Love that planner. Okay, next up, a milk frother. Because I don't know about you, but I love frothy, fluffy, warm almond milk. Just adore it. I would just drink fluffed up, frothy, steamed milk (laughs) if I could. So Amazon has an amazing little milk frother. I want you guys to go check out. Okay, 
Last thing on the list is my dear Mushka necklace. This necklace is called the Expectant Pendant, and it is beautiful, you guys. So I don't know if you're familiar with Dear Mushka. Each of their pieces has a meaning and a Bible verse and a story attached to it. Um, so I want to read to you guys uh, the verse for this necklace. It's commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Psalm 37, 5 through 6. So here's a little description of the necklace, and you'll see why I like it so much. It says, The expectant necklace is a part of our spalling line, a collection surrounding motherhood. It was especially created for women walking through infertility and mimics the shape of an empty cradle. But of course, it's a beautiful necklace for anyone sitting in a hard season, waiting on the Lord to act. He sees you and loves you, dear sister. Commit your way to him. We're praying for you. Isn't that just incredible? I love it. So I, I have, a, I got a few uh, pieces from Dear Mushka and I've just loved every one. Um, so go add that one to your list. All right, my friends, because you are all so awesome, I want to share with you the story of my friend, Holly Hepler. Holly was born without a uterus and knew at a young age she would be unable to carry her own children in her womb. This girl, you guys, she's pretty stinking incredible. I love her. Her love for people is overwhelming and contagious in the best of ways. It's been a long journey for the Heplers, and they've decided recently to continue to grow their family through IVF. Holly's sister-in-law is going to carry the baby for them. So she's in Colorado right now doing treatment and getting ready uh, to transfer that baby. So I want you to be praying for her. And here's the deal, you guys. I know what kind of people you are. I know how generous you are, how kind you are. I know, sister, many of your stories. Many of you have had dreams of carrying babies or struggled with infertility or lost babies sooner than you planned on. I know there are so many of you within the sound of my voice who can identify with the Hepler story. So if you feel led to invest in Holly and Joe's miracle baby, I would love for you to join me. You can go to their GoFundMe page. It's GoFundMe.com slash Joe and Holly's miracle and donate. And you know, I'll leave you a link in my show notes page at elisemarsh.com slash podcast. So head on over there, go watch their videos and check out their story. Last week, I got an email from a mama named Teresa who recently had a baby and took my online childbirth class with her second baby. And this is what she said to me. She said, I want to thank you so much for putting this course together. I was able to use a couple different techniques to manage labor pain. Luckily, labor was very fast with this one, so fast that I didn't even have a chance to get my planned epidural. I'm glad we invested in this course because I never planned on having an all-natural delivery. Thanks again, Teresa. You guys, your preparation will never be wasted. It will only help you. Women are strong they are capable and their babies will come out. Your baby will come out. I want that experience to be so incredibly empowering for you. And I love nothing more than to join you in your pregnancy journey. So head on over to yourbestbirthcourse.com and enter the promo code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T for $50 off the cost of the course. How easy is it to trust in the world around us, the world we have created for ourselves? 
our jobs, our relationships, our vehicles, our homes, our communities. While all of these things are good and very needed, they could at any point leave us or change or look very differently at any point in our lives. Nothing in this world can completely protect us. No amount of money will make harm flee from us forever. Not on this earth anyway. Our Jesus, our Lord, He is our strong refuge, and He is the one who will forever and ever be faithful to you. You will always be able to rely on Him. He is the only one who will never, ever fail us. He will be our strong tower, our sanctuary, our safe harbor, our protection from anything that could ever come against us. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in Him. I don't know what your season looks like right now, but can I just encourage you, sweet listener, that if you've ever been let down, disappointed, or maybe even heartbroken by someone or some circumstance that has left you feeling isolated, powerless, or vulnerable, I want you to know that there is a God who wants to take you to His safe harbor. Know that there is a secret, special place reserved for only the two of you. He wants to bring you close. Imagine with me a little girl sitting on the couch with her daddy, and she's about an arm's length distance away, not touching him or right next to him. And then in the next moment, that daddy wraps his great big arm around her and gently scoots and slides her tiny little body right next to him, pulling her into his safe and warm embrace. My friend, dear listener, you have a father who wants to pull you in today, who sees you just an arm's distance away, close, but still too far away from the father's embrace. He wants to pull you into his protection and make you feel safe. Go to that place with the Lord this week, my friend, and know that he has promised to be near to you. You can trust in him. Today on the show, I chat with Pam Vredevelt. I got connected with Pam through some family members of mine, and I've just been so blessed by her work over the last few years. Pam is an author, licensed professional counselor, and speaker. I love the way this woman can talk about real-life issues with such authenticity, warmth, and humor. Pam is married to her best friend, John, and they have four children. Two of them live here on earth and two are in heaven. During the last 25 years, Pam has served thousands of people as a counselor in private practice. She has walked with so many different people in the depths of their pain and has showed them the path toward healing. She's incredible, you guys. You're going to be so blessed by this woman. Her story is powerful and I can't wait to share it with you. Here we go. Okay, Pam, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with me. I know you've got a busy schedule and I'm super excited to just sit down and chat for a little bit today. Oh, thanks, Elise. It's great to be with you. Awesome. Okay, so can you tell our listeners just a little bit about um, who you are, what your life looks like right now, and and what is who is Pam? So Pam is a busy and very involved <laughs> yeah. and engaged woman right now. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> but I am a lover of Jesus. I am a wife. I am a mom of four kids, two 
in heaven and two that live here in Oregon within 15 minutes of our home, which we're absolutely loving. Oh, that's the best. Yes, it is. And I'm in the last two years, I am now officially a Grammy and I'm loving being a grandma. And I'm also working as a licensed professional counselor in private practice, which I've been doing for the last 30 years. Yeah, that's amazing, Pam. And and you're the author of a few books. I have written. I've uh, started writing many moons ago and I've authored 14 books and um, have taken a break in the last several years, uh, but now our cre- I'm creating an online uh, training experience for moms that have lost a baby. We can talk about that later, but I, I just uh, am always enjoying the growth process for myself, and I love neuroscience, I love brain science, and I love seeing how that intersects with scripture. Yeah. And just magnifies it in many mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, and that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Awesome. So cool. Okay, so how did you meet your husband? Oh, well, that was a fun story. So I graduated from high school in Ohio from Upper Arlington High School near Columbus. And the next day, got on an airplane and moved with the rest of my family to California Bay Area, Saratoga. It was very and different. <laughs> was was that hard huge, for you? Oh, my gosh. It was so hard because I was very involved with my friends in high school. And well, just, yeah, of course, like everybody was going off to college, right? We would right. be doing this at one point or another. But, oh, my to go from being so involved and active and, you know, integrated and social to a new town where I knew nobody. And it was such a glaring contrast. And actually one of the tougher times, I think, in my life emotionally. Yeah. Because I was grieving the loss of all those friends and then, you know, headed into another transition in life for college and everything. But I actually... It was so funny the way this happened. My mom called an electrician to come and fix the back burner on our stove. And then she was asking that electrician if he knew of anybody that was a contractor that might be able to build a retaining wall along the side of our property where we had a creek. And so he gave him or her Ben Vredevelt's card. Now, Ben Vredevelt was John's dad. Okay. So Ben came out to give a bid on this huge job and sized things up, took measurements, went in the house, sat down. My parents gave him some pop or, you know, cold water. And he started talking to my mom and dad about, you know, their transition to California and began to ask them whether or not they had a relationship with God. He was just very comfortable sharing his own faith journey and was curious about my parents and uh, my parents said, yes, we do have a, a belief in God. And he said, well, would you like to visit our church this Sunday? Oh, and yeah. So, so he's like a little evangelizer. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. He had a very passionate heart for the Lord and for sharing the Lord with others. And when we walked in, there were like 150 high school and college kids up on the platform singing this really cool music, really inspiring and upbeat. And I had never, frankly, seen anything like it before. Uh, I just had never been in a church like that. And the guy that was kind of the lead 
solo singer and also emceeing, you know, what they were doing up there was my husband, John. Oh, wow. So he's like the front runner there. Yeah, I was the front runner. I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, man, they didn't make guys like that in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never seen, I'd never seen a cool guy that was really passionate about his faith. Yeah. Yeah. And so afterwards, uh, they had this college group that met and the youth pastor spotted us and came over and introduced himself and invited me to come. And I ended up writing with John and Marsha, his girlfriend at the time, who also turned out to be a good friend of mine, uh, over there to the college group. And that's how we first met. Long story short, as uh, they ended their relationship and I was kind of the new kid on the block, a bunch of us came up here to go to Multnomah University, which um, is a prepares you for studying the Bible. Um, and there were about a dozen of us, and we got to know each other. We were just good friends, and then that friendship kind of grew into a ro- romance, and then eventually we got married. That's awesome. I love that. So did John? So John was going to Multnomah. Did he always want to be um, in ministry? <laughs> He actually was going into construction. Okay. And the Lord spoke to him when he was on his way to that construction job in San Francisco. And he said, quit your job and go to Bible college. He Mm. heard that real clearly. I love that. And John, of course, was making really good money. Mm -hmm. He got to the job that day and they laid him off. Oh, gosh. Like, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm just going to steer you in the direction you're going to be going. It's like, uh, is that a confirmation or is that a confirmation? So John was smart enough to know. Okay, God, I'm getting a two by four between the eyes. I think I better go. Mm -hmm. And and he started researching and, and ended up going to Multnomah. That's so cool. Okay, so is that where you met Don and Gail? We did first meet them. I I don't remember meeting Don, but I I remember Gail very clearly. And then they were only there one year when we were there. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we circled back around all these years later. Right. But we remembered each other. Okay, that's so fun. Okay, so you know, fast forward, you guys are married. Um, you know, you're kind of newlyweds. What was that? What were those next um, few seasons of life? What did that look like for you guys? Well, we were we got married between our junior and senior year of college. My parents had moved to England because my dad was the head of the international part of the company over there. And so we got married that summer. They flew back to England and we drove up back up to Multnomah to finish school. And one month to the day. After we were married, John's dad passed away from a massive heart attack. Oh, wow. And it was grueling. We went from the high of, you know, honeymooning into deep grief. And it was probably one of the most confusing times for me because I had never lost anybody significant. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't know the grief journey. And my my poor husband was very close to his dad, and he's trying to make sense of all the emotions that are going crazy on the inside of him. And the, we're carrying a full load at school and working. Yeah. And oh, were you it guys was like t- nine? How old were you? Were you like twenty one? 
we were 21 and 22. Yeah, so young. Very young. How was that on your marriage, being so young and just experiencing so much in that season? It, it was hard. It was hard because I'd never seen him like that. John, by nature, is a very jovial, upbeat person. I'd never seen him in that kind of agitated, irritable, short fuse, which is mm-hmm. very common in grief, right? Right. But but I I thought, wow, this is this is hard. Yeah. How did you guys come through that? You know, I think our faith in God, we both just really pressed into God. And at the same time, we were, you know, in college, and I reached out to people that were older, people on staff that could help me understand the midst of what I was in Mm -hmm. and give me some good input and understanding and and who validated my suffering and and his suffering. Yeah, that was key. Mm -hmm. And we really drew close to one another. We tried very, very much to to comfort one another and to be there. Yeah, that's awesome. How did you guys get to that place? So coming out of such grief, how did you come to the place where you were ready to have babies? Or did that just happen? Did you just find out you were pregnant? What was that season like for you? Well, it was it was a, a prolonged season between graduating from college and then going into the childbearing years because after we graduated from college, uh, John was immediately hired on staff as a youth pastor at a large megachurch here in the Portland area. And they hired me as his assistant. And so, <laughs> was that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> oh, it was a blast. We had so much fun. We had about two. I don't know that everyone would say that that was fun, though. So I think that takes a special person. Well, we're both outgoing and we yeah. both love people. And yeah. we just had, we had so much fun with mm-hmm. those kids. Oh, that's it was, awesome. Yeah, we did that for 11 years. But in the meantime, I went back after doing that for a year I went back to graduate school and was in graduate school for four years. And so it was not until after that that we had our first baby. Oh, okay. So talk us through kind of the birth of um, your first baby. So I was just finishing my degree. And um, so I was just finishing my first graduate degree in communications, and I was five months pregnant, walked into the gynecologist's office and Mm -hmm. was excited to hear the heartbeat and all of that. And as he was probing with the ultrasound device, he couldn't pick up a heartbeat. And so he moved me into another room with more sophisticated instruments and began to probe again. And I'm watching the screen and they're not saying anything. And I mm. soon realized something was up, but they, they were quiet. And I, yeah. I said, well, what are you seeing? And he said, I'm not picking up a heartbeat and there doesn't seem to be any fetal movement. I think the baby is dead. Were and you that, in there by yourself at that moment? I was. I oh, was gosh. there by myself. And... It was such a shock because mm-hmm. everything in the pregnancy was going along just fine. Yeah. I had no preparation, no warning whatsoever. 
Yeah, I think I've, I mean, I've talked to a few people um, who've experienced, um, you know, a similar, similar experience or similar situation. And I think a lot of them are alone when they hear that news. And I just can only imagine kind of what that felt like for you. It, it was a very dark, dark hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was so confused. Of course, I had all these emotions going on. I was angry. How come people, you know, how come we can pray for this baby every day and we don't get to take this baby home and mm-hmm. other people don't want their babies and you know, yeah. all the crazy mm-hmm. stuff that goes through your head. And I, I asked the doctor, I said, well, why? What happened? He said, I don't know. More will be understood after delivery. Mm. And I realized I was going to be leaving there and going the next day to the hospital to deliver this baby just as any mom would right. and go home with empty arms. Right. So you you left, you went home. How did you tell John? Well, I left the hospital that day and drove immediately to his office. Mm-hmm. And I was just praying on the way that nobody would be there in between me going through the door and him in his office. And Yeah, just walk, don't see me. No one just talk to me. I don't want to talk to anybody. Just yeah. get, walked into his office and burst into tears. And I said, we lost the baby. And he just got up and put his arms around me and held me and we cried together and he said, it's okay. We're going to, we'll get through this. It's going to be okay. Wow. So where, uh, take us through kind of the, the next steps for you. So you went home that night. What was that, that first night like for you guys? Cause you had one night at home and then you went to the hospital the next day. Yes. So, uh, he, he actually left, the office with me and we went home and just spent that day together, went to bed that night. And I basically would just kind of held each other and cried yeah. and did what we had to do to get ready to go for the next day. And you just kind of struggle through it right. the best you can. And the next day went in and checked in and they did the, uh, you know, the Pitocin tried to get things moving. Well, after a day and a half of labor and no success in in delivering the baby, they finally decided I was too exhausted to keep going. And mm. so they, they put me under and went ahead and did a, a DNC at that point. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so hard to go through that whole thing and then end up needing, you know, a surgery. Oh, yeah, that's tough. So what, yeah, how did you talk us through the next um, few weeks kind of um, with that grief and those emotions and, and what, what was that like for you? So I remember leaving the hospital just so devastated and emotionally, you've got all the postpartum mm-hmm. adjustments going on. So not only are you trying to wrap your head around this this idea that you're not going to bring your baby home and everything that you were looking forward to is now gone, but you also have these hormones that are making you crazy yeah. and sending you reeling yeah. and sh- trying to you know, navigate those at the same time. Um, and I remember wanting to get my hands on something that I could read that might help me make better sense and kind of be a, maybe a guide that mm-hmm. could show me how how do I get through this? Yeah. Who, what, what do other moms experience do. when they're going through things like this? And I just didn't, I didn't literally didn't know anybody in my family that had ever had this kind of a loss. 
And so I scoured the bookstores and I, I found some academic books, but I didn't find any that integrated, you know, what is, what does God think about all of this? Mm-hmm. Where does, where does faith fit into the picture? Yeah. A couple of weeks later, I was at the, I was at our gym and I was swimming during my lunch hour and I was crying my Which way up and down the pool when you're in the water, <laughs> trying to breathe, crying in the water, but Hey, it's private. Nobody can see me. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember saying, God, you're, you say that you work all things together for good. And I can't see one thing that's good in this situation. Hmm. So I've got to have your perspective because I don't have it. Yeah. And at that moment, I saw in my mind's eye the front cover of a book. And I knew in my in my heart it was a book for couples or women that had lost a baby. And I just kind of noted that, hid it in my heart, mm-hmm. and then went home that night and I said, I had the most curious situation happen. I was swimming. I was crying out to God. I was saying, God, you got to show me your perspective of what can be good in this. Mm. And I saw this picture of a book. And John said, well, maybe you're supposed to write a book. I said, I don't know how to write a book. (laughs) I had a master's degree in communications, but I didn't know how to write a book. But I'd written a lot of research papers. Yeah. And he said, well, pray on it. God will make it clear. Yeah. So the next day... I called a friend who was a published author, and I said, I had this interesting thing. She said, you have got to move on this. You have got to start writing your story now. I want the first few chapters on my desk by Monday. Now, this was a Friday. She was, like, pushing you. Oh, my word. And I wasn't too happy about it, frankly. I said, I got a little irritated with her because I was, like, still hormonal and just grieving. I said, I am not ready for that. And she said, you have to capitalize on your experience right now because in two months, it's going to be very different. Yeah. And that was such a word of wisdom, Elise. I've been so grateful for that through the years. So that weekend, I grabbed my little yellow pad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wrote all weekend long my story. So you like hand wrote it out on a notepad. I did. Oh, goodness. Did that take you forever? (laughs) You know, it took me the whole weekend and I cried my way through the whole weekend. There was something very therapeutic about that. Oh, yeah. I I didn't know the brain science behind it like we have, Mm -hmm. you know, documented now, but um, it was very therapeutic. And I gave her what I wrote and she said, you got to send this off now. So I typed it up on my little typewriter and with my little whiteout back then. Yeah. A long time ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And sent it off to seven different publishers and four wanted it. Three um, wanted me to add something else that I really wasn't uh, well versed in. Oh, okay. And so uh, of the four, I met with various agents from those four uh, publishing houses and Chose the one I wanted to go through, and after that, they launched that book, and that little book is still selling strong every month. Wow. That's amazing. Is that the Empty Arms book? Yes, Empty Arms. Yeah, I love that. 
Thank That's you. So cool. That's so cool. I know I've given that book out many times. It's a great Aww. resource for moms. We'll definitely make sure we link to um, all your resources and your books and in, in your website um, in the show notes page for sure. So t- tell me, you had experienced this loss. You wrote this book that was obviously very healing um, for you. Um, how did you guys come to the place where you are ready to have more babies? Did you just jump right back in or no. you're like, yes, let's do this? Or, or was that a long process for you? No, um, it, it took a little bit of time. I, uh, when I went back to my doctor for the follow-up checkup, you know, he said, well, things like this happen and just give it a few months, let your body get readjusted, you know, because you're five months along, that's a big mm-hmm. adjustment Yeah, and let your body get a little stronger and you'll have another baby. I wasn't quite so sure about that because it was such a devastating loss and I didn't have the same confidence he had. Yeah. He said, you know, you're young, you can have another baby. Well, okay. I I wasn't sure I bought it, but I was hoping he was telling me the truth. So I I gave myself uh, a few months and then physically I was, I think I was ready, but not emotionally. Yeah. It took you longer. Yeah. At the same time, I was in a graduate program in psychology and research. So you had just lost this baby. You'd written this book. And then at what point were you like, because you had a master's degree in communication, at what point did you just kind of, did you always want to get a psychology degree and become a therapist? Or or how did that happen? When I was, after I had finished my communications degree, Mm-hmm. I was invited by a therapist who owned a center to work with the teenagers in group therapy because oh, okay. she knew of my work with teens. While I was there, I loved being a part of that team and I would sit in staff meetings and I listened to the way these other doctors were intervening in people's lives, all of them faith-based believing psychologists, social workers. And I thought, boy, they have some awesome tools. I want my, I want some of those tools. Mm -hmm. So it compelled me to go back and get some further education in psychology and research. And uh, I was in the midst of that when we began to try to have our second baby. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. So talk us through what, um, what was that pregnancy like? So the second pregnancy, I was nauseous the entire time. It was a low-grade nausea that I rarely threw up, but whoa, I felt like I could any moment. Right. Uh, but in a way, that was very reassuring to me because it told me I was still pregnant and yeah. things were moving along mm-hmm. forward. I During my second trimester, I felt great. I, my energy was up. And then during my third trimester... Literally, I was nine months pregnant when I walked in to do my dissertation defense for my oral exam. It probably kept you just very focused. This child cannot come out yet. Oh, I'm telling you. And what was such a fun thing was our daughter, Jessie, was born on the day of graduation. So I got to skip those long, boring graduations and go deliver a baby instead. Well, that's and the, fun. the culmination of that was that my editor brought me the first copy hot off the press of empty arms 
to the hospital the day I delivered. It just all coincided together. (laughs) That's amazing. What a gift. I love the little, the gifts that the Lord gives us sometimes like that. Yes. Um, Yes. Special. That's really cool. Okay. So you have your daughter, Jessie. Um, Yes. How was um, kind of that transition to parenthood for you guys? Well, I was so thrilled to be a mom, you know, that, that little one that, left such a big hole in my heart when, when they left, uh, gave me just an increased capacity to want to be a mom and to love this little one. But I had no clue how exhausted I was going to be. Right. (laughs) Nobody told me about that part of it. Yeah. And Jesse was, uh, wasn't, was wanting to nurse about every two hours through the middle of the night. And it took a while for her to kind of get her days and nights turned around. Mm -hmm. But I sure, I sure enjoyed uh, being able to move into that part of my life, loved the learning and seeing through her eyes and just a whole new learning curve as a mom. So there were times when I was exhausted and frustrated and like, Oh, I feel like everybody wants a piece out of me. Yeah. And and other times that were just awe moments, right? Yeah, totally. So at what point were you, because you have a newborn at home, were you practicing, you know, private practice therapy or were you still working in that clinic? Uh, yes. I actually, after my, I got my psych degree, they uh, opened the door for me to see people in private practice, but I... I really was torn mm-hmm. about going back to work after Jesse was born. I just, oh, everything in me wanted to stay home and be with her. Mm-hmm. But financially, um, it didn't make sense to to do that. So I was, um, I I worked two days a week from about oh ten in the morning until four in the afternoon, and that was enough to buffer. Yeah. Uh, the John salary so that we had enough to live on. And yeah. I mean, we were, we were pretty frugal and didn't have a lot, but it, it gave me the chance to be where I wanted to be. And then as the kids got older, I was able to increase my hours during their school day and kind of adapt as at during each season of life. Yeah. That's great. Um, so at, at how old was Jesse when you guys um, got pregnant again? So Jesse was three okay. when we got pregnant the the third time, and that pregnancy was a breeze. Oh, oh my that's goodness! Nice. I know it was it was interesting. It was a quite a bit different. Our son Ben. Um, I did have that low grade nausea throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing, but I think the second time around, you, you just know a little bit more. You know what to expect, and yeah. so it's not so unknown. It's not so scary or so confusing or whatever. Right. Um, and had a great, easy, uh, well, it wasn't easy. It was a hard delivery, but it was a successful delivery and mm-hmm. everything went well. And he came out very healthy, big baby. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So it was a great time of celebration. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So you have two babies at home. Were you still working two days a week at that point? I mean, after yes. your maternity leave, I'm assuming. Yes. I was still working two days a week. Um, and that, that went on until the kids went to school. Oh, okay. Yeah. I w- and I gradually, as they got to, went into school, I, I 
um, increased my hours through the day. So I worked two long 10 hour days once they got into school. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. That's so great. That's great that you're able to kind of manage all of that. Um, so what is the next part in, in your story, Pam, that you'd like to share with us? Well, after Benjamin was born, uh, he was three years old. We, Jesse, Jesse and Ben are three years apart. And then all of a sudden I turned up pregnant. (laughs) Like, wait a second. So you guys weren't planning that fourth pregnancy? Nope. Okay. We were not. We were out of diapers. Oh, wow. That's a big milestone. Oh my goodness. It is a big milestone. And you know, in your head, when you're, once you kind of hit that milestone with your kids, you're looking forward, right? You're kind of forecasting different season of life, what you can do that you haven't been doing for the last however many years. Sure. And I turned up pregnant and I didn't know how that happened. I mean, I knew how it happened. Who was involved here? Okay. Wait a second here. So went through that pregnancy, everything seemed normal, a mm-hmm. um, little same nausea, but, you know, normal along the way. Then I went into premature labor uh, six weeks early. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty early. 34 weeks. That's early. Yeah, it was, it was early and John was out of town hunting in the oh. Ochoco Mountains oh, in Eastern no. Oregon. And so I ended up going once my water broke. I knew I, I got to go to the I got to go to the hospital. Oh, yeah. So a, a lady from church took me to the hospital. Was someone John, watching your they kids? They tried to get they tried to get John. They called the ranger station. They and they finally the ranger put a note on the door where John was staying, and go he off. happened he happened to come home early in the afternoon, which he never does. Oh, wow. So I just feel like God was leading him in that. And he saw this door that this note on the door that said, your wife is into in delivery. And he, he threw everything in his truck. He said he kept his pedal to the metal all the way home. And literally on the main street to the hospital, there's probably 20 lights. Once you get off the freeway and hit town, he said he hit every green light. Oh, wow. He's like, I'm <laughs> not stopping. I'm not stopping. And when he walked in to the delivery room, our son Nathan's head was just crowning. He oh came in goodness. there. He had camo paint on his face. He had camo gear on. That's amazing. Straight out of the woods. But wow. walked in. Nathan's head was crowning. The doctor pulled him out, but he was blue and floppy. And Aww. something was very wrong. And so they whisked him away. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I yeah, just knew something was up. Yeah. And they weren't saying anything. That's hard. That's really hard. That's a scary time for moms. I know when their babies are, you know, being worked on or not next to them. And no one's really explaining anything to them or talking to them. And they can't really see anything um, because they're, you know, not not able to get up and, and move quite yet. And gosh, I know that's a that's a tough one. I've stood by a lot of moms in that in that situation. Yeah, I bet you have. And I bet you've been a voice of great comfort and reassurance. And I've always been grateful for the nurses that mm-hmm. were there, like yeah. you are for your your gals, um, who just kept saying, 
The doctors are working with him. They're get, he's in very good hands. He's getting the best of care. Mm-hmm. But it's so scary. Oh, um, yeah. We just, John just took my hands and we began to pray for Nathan and, and ask the Lord to help him and help the doctors. And finally, after about 45 minutes, I oh, said, I want to see my baby. Yeah. Please, will somebody just take me to see him? I want to see what's going on. Yeah. So they were able to do that. And um, so they he weren't was... working on him in your room. They took no. him somewhere else. Yeah, they took him into okay. the ICU. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was not oxygenating well. So they had to put him on uh, full heart cath with oxygen. Oh, wow. And at that point, uh, my pediatrician was not in town. He, one of his new people was on on call for him. She walked into me and she said, it's my observation, Mrs. Friedevelt, that Nathan has Down syndrome. Oh, wow. And I said, Down syndrome? What does that mean? All I could remember is an old movie I saw in one of my psych classes years ago. Mm -hmm. And she said, it means he will be mentally retarded and there's a high chance that he will have leukemia. Wow. She said all that to you in that and moment. In that moment. Oh my goodness. What did you think? What were you thinking? I was shocked. Yeah. I was in shock. I could barely think. Yeah. I didn't know what to think. Yeah. Was John standing next to you and hearing all that? Yes. Oh man. Yes. We we were both we were both in shock. That's all I can say. Wow. Okay. So, and, so take us through what, what happened in those next few weeks? Well, I went back to my room. They took me, you know, they took me back to my uh, hospital room mm-hmm. and, uh, John, you know, had to go home later that evening to be with the other two kids. My mom and dad, it, it happened all so fast. They really couldn't get up here from California. My pediatrician was, gone and so was my so was my OBGYN he was in Russia oh goodness <laughs> so That's I'm alone no so I'm alone in this hospital room and right next door to me were was a family who was celebrating the arrival of their child and lots of happy laughter and celebrating and I just was in my room very alone and really crying my eyes out and thinking what is this a bad joke what what happened here probably one of the saddest times of my life wow but uh we we were able to kind of get through that the cardiologist came in the next day did a battery of tests and said uh it was his observation that the center section of nathan's heart was not fully formed and that in a couple of months he would need open heart surgery Uh, so that, um, you know, the heart would function well. He wanted us to meet him over at Emmanuel Hospital, which is where they do all of the higher caliber uh, Mm -hmm. interventions. We did that and uh, went in several months later. At that point in time, on Sunday morning, before we went for that appointment, the church prayed for us and prayed for Nathan that God would touch his heart and heal him. And it was one of those times where our pastor just stepped up in a very personal and special way. And and the 
literally all the people in the church joined hands together and prayed for little Nathan. Mm. And we went back to meet with the doctor the next day. My mom had flown into town so she could go with us as well. And he put Nathan on the, the little bed and began to probe with the ultrasound screen. And we're watching this swish swish happening mm-hmm. in his heart rate, rate and on the screen. And the doctor begins to chuckle. Well, I was not amused. <laughs> like, this is not funny. <laughs> no, what are you laughing I w- at? I was so stressed out oh, and yeah. not, not delighted that he was laughing. And then he, he looks at me and he says, by golly, the center section of his heart is absolutely normal. Wow. He was shocked because he had done a full battery of tests in the hospital earlier on. And this was the pre-surgery, take the measurements for how much we're going to have to repair, right? Right. He was shocked and he just said, it is so wonderful to give you good news. Wow. Of course, I burst into tears. My mom burst into tears and we were just so thankful that Nathan didn't have to go through open heart surgery. Oh yeah, that's huge. The Lord just healed him. He did. Wow, what a miracle, you guys. It was a miracle. Did that just really boost your faith? Like, what was your relationship with the Lord like in that season? Oh, it so boosted my faith. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Well, as you can imagine, uh, giving birth to a son with special needs completely turned me on my head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had no idea how to raise a little boy with special needs. I had no idea how to be a mother of three. Once you add a third child, it completely changes the dynamic within the family Mm -hmm. because there's no longer one-on-one. Right. You're outnumbered for sure. You are. You are. And so I was in a huge adjustment phase trying to figure out, you know, what do, how do I be a wife and a mom and manage the, the needs here and balance all the demands. I And so, I mean, God heard a lot from me during those yeah. days. <laughs> I can imagine. I, I had a lot of prayer journals going on. And a lot of them, I just were, were kind of pouring out my heart saying, I need help with this. And yeah. I don't know what to do here. And I need wisdom here. And oh, I yes. got lots of earfuls. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so the doctors originally told you that he was going to have leukemia. Did he end up having leukemia? No, wow. no, he did not. And I was as as the shock wore off, and I began to realize what had happened during mm-hmm. that particular meeting. I grew angrier and angry at her for at her for being so insensitive at that point in time and really had to work some forgiveness in my heart with the Lord because she was a newbie. You know, she was fresh out of medical school, maybe three years or so and just didn't just didn't know any better and had to give her grace. But oh, my. Okay, so you you take and, you know, your third baby home. You yes. did you go back to private practice? You know, I took four months off at that point in time because I just needed the time to mm-hmm. not only adjust physically, but also Nathan was under lights at night for a number of weeks because of uh, the jaundice, and mm-hmm. 
I, I was really concerned about his immune system. And so everything, we I just kind of hunkered down yeah. for a number of months before I went back. And then that transition back, um, I, I cut back once again. I had built my hours up slightly, but I just did the bare minimum mm-hmm. that was necessary. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, built those hours back. Yeah. Wow. Good for you, Pam. That's a lot to juggle. So did you have someone you felt like you really trusted with Nathan at home when you were able to go back to work? Oh, the Lord provided somebody. We have a gal by the name, we call her Kelly Buddy. Her name's Kelly. And she began to come to our home two days a week when I went back with Jesse. Yeah. So Jesse was, oh, I don't know what, maybe three months old, four months old when I went back to those two full days. And she, she came to the house like in the afternoon and then stayed there until John came home. And then John had, had Nathan the rest of the day and the same with Jesse and Ben. Mm -hmm. And then, um, that just continued on through the years and Nathan and Kelly, she was just like a second mom to him as in his mind. She, he just adored her. He was like an adopted auntie, you know, yeah, so just she's so good with kids and was a kindergarten teacher and just loved him to pieces. Oh, that's awesome. Was he able to really integrate into school and all of that pretty well? He did go to school. He was fairly high functioning. He got the computer. He was a computer whiz. He just could understand anything in terms of setting things up on the computer his speech was very delayed, and I think that was uh, partly because of the oxygen deprivation at birth. I think that affected the speech center of his brain. So he had okay. pretty severe apraxia. He understood everything, but he had difficulty expressing with words. Nathan was uh, fortunate enough to be integrated in into a special ed classroom in our school district. It was the the academic learning special ed classroom. And so he, he enjoyed learning. He was our, we called him our unguided missile <laughs> because Nathan loved to escape and he was so good at it. Four, maybe even three, he would find a way to open a door real quiet mm-hmm. and sneak outside and go on his little wild adventures. Of course, oh, wow. <laughs> he didn't have any fear. You know, he just knew he had somewhere that he wanted to go. Yeah. That took him right up to the point where he left this world and relocated to heaven. Wow. Okay. So talk us through what was, how did that happen for him? My husband and I had been given tickets by some friends of ours to go to a Portland Trailblazer basketball game. And they had a suite at the arena and we were really looking forward to being their guests. And unfortunately, John came down with the flu that day, Was had a rip-roaring fever going on. And so we uh, couldn't go. And so we, we decided to ask uh, a young couple that we know 
if they would like to take Nathan to the game because Nathan loved the Portland Trailblazers. He loved oh, fun. to cheer for them. He, you know, he would always be involved in Ben's basketball and football. And sometimes he'd sit on the, on the sidelines with the team because the coaches were really cool about that. So anyway, uh, this young couple who knew Nathan well, he had actually been his aide at church camp, uh, decided to take our tickets and went and they took Nathan for the evening. And our daughter and then uh, fiance, who's now our son-in-law, hmm. also were invited. So they were all there together. And during halftime, Nathan said he needed to use the restroom. Well, there was one right in the suite Mm -hmm. uh, that was right next to the door that went out to the foyer. Mm -hmm. And so he was standing in line waiting for the restroom. And somehow during that brief 15, 20 seconds, we thought he was in the bathroom because the door was closed, mm -hmm. but he was not. He had closed the door and he had skipped out of the main door into the uh, suite and and entered the foyer and because it was halftime there were hundreds of people milling oh, wow. around outside the foyer it's a, at the higher level at the at the stadium all we know is that he must have hopped on the elevator which he loved to ride elevators mm. and ran outside when the when he got to the lower level it went right to the main doors outside he ran outside and he ran onto the freeway, I-5, and was hit by a car. Oh, wow. And... Oh, Pam, how old was he? He was 16 years old. Oh, wow. And he didn't, he really didn't um, have the awareness that yeah. that would have been dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he was just on, again, one of his fun, wild adventures, going to find something that he wanted to find. He would get an idea. And he would always know, he would always tell us where he was going. There were many mm -hmm. times when we would find him, you know. And, but that particular night, um, that ended his life here in this world. The, we got a call from Jessie. And she said, Mom, Nathan's been hit by a car. Can you meet us at Emanuel Hospital? We're on our way over there right now. And I said, yes, I'll be there. And I, John was so sick at home. So I tried to find my way as fast as I could over to the hospital. And because the traffic had been backed up from his accident, uh. I could not get to the main exit to get to the hospital. So I was on the phone with the nurse trying to have her talk me through how to get through all these side roads over to oh the hospital. Gosh. And when I walked into the emergency room, I. I talked with the doctor and he said, we need to do surgery immediately to allow the brain to swell or else mm. Nathan won't live. And I said, do whatever you have to do. I, yeah. I, I, so he went immediately into surgery. They did let me go back and talk with him and he was not um, responsive. He would, they, had, they had intubated him at that point in time. And I just talked to him and told him how much I loved him and prayed with him and, and just told him to be brave and that we'd be here when he got out. And the doctors after the surgery came out and they said, well, we've done what we can do. Uh, now we have to watch for four days because the brain is tricky. We have 
We have seen people with worse injuries make it, and we've seen people with less injuries not make it.、Mm. A lot depends on just how he responds. We went home that night, and in the middle of the night, I had taken a sleeping pill that a friend of mine had given me because I didn't think I'd be able to sleep. Right, because you're just so oh gosh, so much stress, so and, wired. Oh yeah. I didn't know if it was a sleeping pill or not, but in the middle of the night, around three o'clock in the morning, whether I was awake or asleep, I can't tell you, but I heard audibly, "I'm going to bring him home,"、mm-hmm. and I know my father's voice. Yeah. And we were praying for a miracle because we have witnessed miracles. We've seen blind eyes open. We've seen ears open. We've seen children that were deaf and dumb begin to speak. We've watched that happen in third world countries when we've been on mission trips. So we were praying for a miracle. Then when I heard that, I believe the Lord was saying, "This was the plan. I'm going to bring him home." And I, whenever I hear God speak to me, I always ask for three confirmations. I, it's just my way of validating that I'm hearing accurately.、Mm-hmm. So in the morning, I said to John, "I don't know if it was a sleeping pill or if I heard the Lord." Yeah, but you're like, please don't let that be true. I mean, I is that what you were thinking? I, I, I know. I, I did. There was something when God speaks, though. Yeah, that brings this deep. Peaceful knowing, right? That it's supposed to be.、Mm-hmm. It's not what I wanted, but there was something reassuring in hearing his voice that there was a direction there that was bigger than us, bigger than anything we could orchestrate or pray、mm-hmm. for. And I said to John, I, I, I think I heard the Lord speak, but I'm not sure. And I told him what I heard, and he said, No, when you hear, you hear. So we're driving to the hospital that morning, and I call my dad, my mom and dad, and I let them know what's going on. I, of course, I'd talked to them the day before, and I said to my dad, "Dad, I think I heard the Lord speak to me last night in the middle of the night, and I, I think I heard Him say, 'I'm going to bring him home.'" And my dad said to me, "I think so too, Pam." Wow! Why did your dad think that? I was shocked to hear my dad say that because I'd never heard my dad talk like that before. He is a man of faith and he loves God, but I've never heard him talk quite like that before.、Hmm. And I said, "Why do you say that, Dad?" And he said, "Well, I don't know how to explain this to you, but last night I couldn't sleep." So you know how I often do. I'll get up and I'll go in and sit in my recliner in the family room, and I lean back in the recliner and I was just praying for you and for Nathan and the whole situation. And it was like I was in this zone. And Nathan came to me and said, "I'm okay, Grandpa, and I love you."、Hmm. And he, it was like he was leaving. Yeah. And somehow, I don't even know what that means, and I don't know. I've never had any experience like that, but I think God was trying to let me know that Nathan was on his way home.、Hmm. He didn't see Nathan. 
He just sensed Nathan's presence and those words, I'm okay, Grandpa, and I love you. Hmm. Wow. And he and Nathan had a very special bond from the time, from the time Nathan was a tiny infant, my dad would hold him and just, he would weep. Mm. Wow. My dad's a very compassionate man. Yeah. But that was my second confirmation. Yeah. And then I get to the hospital and with John and Jesse had spent the night with Nathan in his bed. She happened to be the first one on the the accident scene. Mm. And she went to rest her eyes in a a travel trailer that somebody had brought so he wouldn't have to drive back and forth and we could have a little private Mm. space to lay down. And she went to rest her eyes, but every time she closed her eyes, she had flashbacks to that accident scene. And she was talking to God and saying, Oh, God, I'm so, it's like kind of a torment that Nathan was running scared and he was alone and nobody was with him. And it was as if the Lord pulled a curtain back in the invisible realm and she saw the accident scene and she saw the ambulance there and the doors were wide open and there was nobody in the ambulance. Nathan was on the ground. The paramedics were working on him, but he was not in his body. He mm-hmm. and he and Jesus were sitting on the back of the top of the ambulance together, arm in arm, beaming at one another and swinging their legs back and forth like two best friends that hadn't yeah. seen each other for years. Mm-hmm. And when she saw that, her whole body went completely peaceful. Mm. And she came back from that little trailer and told me what she had seen. And I knew that was my third confirmation. Mm-hmm. And the doctors were waiting, you know, four days to see what was going to happen. But we knew at that point in time, he was going to be with Jesus. Right. And you know, the miracle in that was she never had a flashback after that. Mm -hmm. And as a therapist who works with people that have had post-traumatic stress syndrome, I I know that's a bona fide miracle. Oh, certainly. Wow. Did you have peace in those moments? Like when that fourth day came, um, did you, did you just walk into that just with peace or what? What were you feeling? Through the the next few days, hundreds of people came to say goodbye to Nathan. Yeah. Um, they didn't know they were saying goodbye, but they came to just let him know he was loved. Right. And uh, we talked with some of the case managers, and <clears throat> we're still waiting, you know. And finally, the fourth day. Uh, it became apparent that there was no brain activity that would have uh, allowed him to have any quality of life. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, (sighs) 
one of the privileges that we had was uh, working with a, a donor group and mm. Nathan's uh, organs and his skin were, were donated so that he could allow life to continue for others. Mm. And uh, on the, the fourth day, good night. I'm sorry, I'm having so much trouble. No, it's okay. I'm like teary over here too, so oh. you're fine. You're fine. It's been a while since I've told this story. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you've asked because yeah. I've got to be able to do this. It's an so amazing on, story to tell. <laughs> yeah. So on that fourth day, uh, we had made the decision with the doctors and the nurses, and uh, one of the things Jesse wanted was. We have a had a little Nathan had a little boom box that he would play his CDs on, you know, his worship music, and mm -hmm. so she just asked that as they were going through the procedure of um, removing the respirator and you know mm -hmm. donating the organs that the the worship music would be played, and she's the doctors told us after the fact that. All, all of the caregivers that were on board in that operating room were, were weeping their way through. Oh, I'm just sure. Very good, good people. One of the things that was a, was a great joy was that we've, we found out later that Nathan's kidney uh, saved a man who was a father and a grandfather in his uh, 50s in Southern California that had also been a veteran. And because my dad graduated from the Naval mm -hmm. Academy in Annapolis, that was especially meaningful. Yeah. And his corneas gave sight to a 20 something year old gal that had not, not had vision. Wow. Nathan's legacy continues and yeah. he continues to give life. Yeah. What a testimony, Pam that Nathan has and that you have and that's just so that's incredible I mean it's a lot I think anyone listening to this today especially you know I think most of my listeners are moms and either trying to have kids or, or have babies and they're just I know you can't help but think like what if that was my baby you know what if that was my child um and golly it just it changes your perspective and um, your outlook on life and how you see your kids. And, you know, none of us are ever guaranteed what our life is going to look like or what tomorrow is going to look like. Um, but I just love how the Lord is so good to weave those little blessings in um, just our hard stuff, our hard mm. stuff. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Yes. God is good. Life in this world can be very hard at times, but God is always good. Yeah, he sure is. And I know you've done a lot of work with um, your clients and, and women, especially working through stress and trauma and loss. And I can, I can only imagine that's been healing for you as well. It has been. And, you know, my, my desire is always that whatever we go through, let's learn as much as we possibly can and then pay it forward and give it back and 
kind of help pave the way for others so they don't have to be alone in their suffering. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's the worst. Being alone in suffering is the worst. Yeah. Oh, totally. So kind of switching gears, taking everything that you've learned and everything you've walked through, you've created this online course for women to really journey through with their grief and and loss. And um, what is that? Explain that to us. What does that look like? In my counseling practice, I've discovered that I don't have enough hours in a day to service the need. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have been wanting to help women, uh, not only those that are local, but across the country, who have experienced the loss of a baby, which is a million women in America every year. Yeah. And I know how devastating that is. And one of the things that I think is so powerful about this online transformation experience is having somebody show the way, a proven path based on brain science and on biblical sound wisdom Mm -hmm. that actually promotes healing and prevents women from getting into complicated grief. And there are a lot of women that get stuck in grief. And so to let's, let's short circuit that let's prevent that and reduce the despair and reduce the depression and anxiety and move through it and get on with life and living the dream that is in your heart. That's my passion to help women be able to do that effectively and with support and a community of safe moms who aren't going to say stupid things like sometimes people say, you know. Have you ever thought about adoption (laughs) (laughs) or things like that? You know, I know I've heard that a lot from people who walk through different series have, you know, or or seasons or stories or, or, or whatever, you know very well-meaning friends and community, you know, it's like, have you thought about this? And you have, have you thought about that? But none of that is ever going to replace their dead baby or, no. you know, the loss of their child. Um, so I think it's really important that you do learn how to grieve well and find joy. And I think that's, what's so amazing about your course and what you're doing, um, is that you're really showing people how to find joy. Yes, and how to find the treasures in darkness. That is Mm -hmm. one of the things God promises us, is there will be treasures in the darkness, and he will show us those. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so let's facilitate that. Let's help women along that line. Yeah, that's so awesome. Okay, so so for my listeners who are listening, and and maybe they've experienced loss, um, how can we get them plugged into your online course? What, what, What should they do? Well, my online course is going to launch June the 16th, and I'm going to be taking a limited number of women. They can go to my website, and you're going to provide the link there, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yep, I'll make sure it's all there. And my encouragement is it will be first come, first serve uh, because of the limited space. I want this to be a, a safe and a tight-knit community in this live online course. And then this summer, I'm going to be automating it all with video and uh, with the downloads. But this one, I'm going to be live every single session and working with the women hands-on. So I'm really looking forward. It's It's the third time that I've done it. And I just absolutely adore these women. One of the things that came about last time was so cool. 
I had a mom that had lost six babies. She had had oh, six wow. miscarriages and a phenomenal gal, wonderful school teacher, and so wanted to have kids. At the same time, she's in this online course. Lo and behold, I cross paths with a woman who is pregnant, is not ready to be a mom, and wants to give her baby up for adoption. Mm. Was able to connect the two of them, and now that mom who had suffered six losses has a baby wow. and is so happy. And only God can orchestrate those things, you know. Yeah. I, I can yeah. tell you I've been practicing over 25 years, and I've never had somebody come to me and say, I know of a person who sure. has a baby that wants to adopt out. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. So it was just meant to be. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. And I love the work that you're doing. It's much, much needed. Um, I love the ministry you have, Pam. It's pretty awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate and I appreciate what you're doing because you are right there in the trenches with the moms during the most critical times. And yeah. I know what you do is so important. Oh, thanks, Pam. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and chatting with me and just your vulnerability and your love for people and your love of the Lord is just so evident. And I'm so thankful I get to share you with our listeners um, and especially your online course. I love that resource too, um, to provide for these women. I, I, I know it's going to make a huge difference. So thank you so much, Pam. Thank you, Elise. God bless you. Keep Thank doing what you. you're doing. I will. You too. Didn't you guys just love Pam? She's amazing. I love her story and how she's been so faithful to allow the Lord to continue his good work in her. God is so faithful to work out all that crappy stuff for the good. I mean, wow. Can't you just hear that she is allowing the Lord to give her a new perspective. I love that about her. And just the way that all of her books and all of uh, her ministry has come to be. Um, what a gift. What a gift she is. So Pam has some incredible resources. I want to make sure that you guys get a hold of them. She has three free videos for women who've lost a baby through miscarriage or stillbirth or SIDS or childhood death. Um, she's got some incredible resources on her website. So I will link to those in the show notes. She's also got her book. The Empty Arms book is amazing, friends. And the journal that goes along with it is going to give you tons of practical steps. So go get it. I have a link on my show notes page for that book. And then don't miss out. Registration for Pam's online course is open through June 10th. So head on over to my show notes page and you'll find Pam's online course. If you've lost a baby, experienced a miscarriage, or just experienced loss in any way, shape, or form in your life, which is probably most of us, let's be honest, I would so urge you and encourage you to register and sign up for her course. It will change your life, my friend. It so will. There is so much healing in store for you. So I'd love for you to get connected with Pam. Find wholeness and find healing. I've got links to connect with her on my show notes page. So head on over, elisemarsh.com slash podcast. You guys, thank you so much for being here. I love, love, love 
this podcast. I love hearing from you. I'm so honored to be with you on this journey. If you have liked and enjoyed what you've been hearing here on the Perfectly Wonderfully Made podcast, I would love for you to do a couple things for me. Would you go subscribe in your podcast app if you haven't already? You can write a review on iTunes. These reviews are a big deal. It's not about me feeling better about myself, but it really does help the show grow. It helps others find the show. You can also find me on Instagram at Perfectly Wonderfully Made for updates and all kinds of good things. You can direct message me. I'd love to see you there. If you have a friend who's having a baby, would you tell them about my online course? That would mean the world to me. I would love to get to know them and be a small part in their journey. Head on over to yourbestbirthcourse.com. You can get all the information there. If you have questions about the course, send me an email. I'd love to chat with you. My email is elise at elisemarsh.com. All right, you guys have an amazing week. Don't forget to head on over to the show notes page this week. There's tons and tons of awesome stuff for you there. I don't want you to miss out elisemarsh.com slash podcast. I am praying for you, my friend. Have an awesome week and I will see you next time.